0: And fame and glory, but that's not what it's about. It's about God. It's about where we're going on this road through life and where we're going to end up, and that's heaven. That is our true home as a Christian, and that should be our focus. So I'm going to tell you the secret to success today and some things that we can do to get on there. So there was a businessman writing a book, and when he was being interviewed about it he was a ceo of a of a company and they asked him what is the one true secret that you have to share and he said when you're and have employees and you're promoting them and you're looking for the best of the best you want the ones that not only do their work but and then some they go the extra mile They put in the little extra bit to do more than they were even asked. Same thing applies for a sports team. If you're going out for a sports team, do you just go out for a team and try out so that you can sit on the bench? I hope not. Okay? You're going because you want to play. You want to get in there, and you know that coach is going to pick the best players for that. What about applying for a scholarship to college? Now, that hits our younger people. Do you want just a plain, average application? Here, I'd like to have a scholarship. No, they're looking through thousands of them, and they want to pick out those ones that are special and say, this person deserves the scholarship. We want to see a person that is striving to be more and more. What's the difference between an average person and above average. Do you want to be just average? Do you tell your kids or or your spouse, go on out there and be average. Don't worry about it, just be average. Solomon knew this, and he gave us some of this wisdom. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, For there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. That while you are here on this earth, you are to put everything into it. Go that extra bit. Do it with all your might. Not sit around, get it done while you're being lazy. I didn't want to use that word actually, lazy. Put all your might into it. Is that not how we're supposed to love God with all our might? Not halfway, not average, with everything we have. Why do we not apply that to our lives today? At home, at work, but even more importantly, in the church, on our walk towards our home. Let's see what Jesus says about this. I'm clicking too many buttons at the same time here. Sorry. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, 38 through 47. Let's start there. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile Go with him, too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? In all these verses, he's telling us do the extra effort. Go the extra mile. Do more and then some. He's telling us in our everyday lives. He's telling us that the world will do these things and you as Christians should do extra. Don't be average. Don't just be what the world is. But make Him proud. Make your father proud of what you are doing. That he can set his eyes on you and say, that is my child. And then some, that extra bit should be our attitude toward our service to God each and every day. Not just on Sunday, not just when we come in here, It needs to be our attitude every day in what we do. Now, do we all accomplish that? No. Okay? Everything I'm going to say this morning applies to me. Every time I teach a lesson or a sermon, I am talking to myself. Because I am right in there. So many times, I do not have the right attitude. And I've got to dig my way back out there. Fortunately, i got a wife that will be happy to kick me in the butt, okay? And I appreciate that very much because I need that. I need that extra push sometimes to do my best to get out of those doldrums and climb back out because really life is about the ups and downs, and we all have them. So we're going to look at some things this morning that's going to help us. Attending services faithfully And then some. Have you ever considered the amount of work it takes to for a preacher to put together a lesson? You know, we've got Tony here now, and and time after time after time he brings us some wonderful lessons that really teaches us about God's word and how to apply it in our life. But do you really know how much time it takes to, to make those lessons? What about our teachers, teaching our children, all the way from, from baby class, toddlers, first, second, third, fourth grade, fifth and sixth, junior high, high school, and then adults. Those teachers are putting in time, making those lessons to bring us something. I mean, it would just be, be just as easy for them to say, okay, today we're going to read these verses, and, and I hope you get something out of them. No, they're digging in there. They're teaching themselves so they can help us understand these things. All through those classes, they are putting in so much time and effort. I met a teacher yesterday that was coming to the church building to set up her class for this morning because she needed extra time. She was making it special for those kids so that they would understand and relate and be interested in it. I know all the teachers do that. But we're not coming here for the teachers. We're coming here for God. Maybe sometimes we come with a, an attitude that's rather lackluster. Okay? It says, I'm here. I'm going to just check it off. I'm good. Did you really get anything out of that class or worship? Or was it even worship with that kind of attitude? Let me ask you a question. And I'm not, I don't even have the answer for that. You're going to have to answer for yourself. Do they have participation trophies in heaven? Oh, I think that touched a few nerves. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Coming together to help each other. That is part of it. Yes, at this time right now, we are here to worship God. Yes, with all our heart, with all our might. At the same time... We are here for our brothers and sisters to uplift them, to edify them, to help them, to fellowship, to get to know them better, to see what's going on in their lives. How does a teacher or a preacher or somebody feel when they've put, put so many hours in and they get there and nobody shows up? Do you think they feel kind of let down? Ah. Don't we all feel that way even at work or at home? We've put so much energy into something, but it seems to have been wasted. That's just normal human behavior. Okay? So we're coming for each other. It's a family gathering. That's what he's talking about, a family coming together. Because you are my brothers and sisters. Now I use that term just as I would for my brother and my mother. That my mother that was I was born from. You are my family here, and I truly believe that. Now you might say God didn't command us to do three services a week. You know, no big deal. Did he have to command you to eat lunch this afternoon? No. You're probably thinking about that right now. No, he didn't command you to eat lunch and take care of yourself because you're going to take care of yourself no matter what. You know when it's time to eat. You know when it's time to get those nutrients in your body for energy to make it through the day. You know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Maybe not that many. Maybe you know, though, when it's time to eat. Same thing here. You have opportunities. Sunday morning, Bible class. Worship, Sunday night worship. Wednesday, we come together for a class and Devo. All of these are opportunities for you to eat, to nourish yourself with God's Word. Let's look in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you imagine having something that you feel so blessed with? A promise of a heavenly home but you want to share it with people, and then you want to be with other people who have that same belief, that same faith. That's part of why we have so many fellowship things, potlucks and everything. We're all about the food, but it's more than just the food. It's about coming together for each other. You know, just sitting there across the table from somebody and saying, how has your week been? What's going on in your life? If you remember this morning, one of the first things we did was get up again and circle around and greet people. We have been practicing that for a few weeks now, haven't we? Because it's practice and practice and practice. We have to get out of our comfort zone sometimes and be told what to do. But that's okay because as we do it more and more, then we accept it and we, it's easier for us to do, to meet people. Meet visitors. Greet each other. It's an excuse to cross the aisle and see the person over here. Attend services faithfully and then some. Because it's spiritual food for you. There's an opportunity. There is not a command. You will be there every time the doors open. But if you put that idea, and then some, it will benefit you greatly. Give generously, and then some. Now, I'm not asking you to look in your wallet right now for an extra five, ten, or 20, okay? That's not what that's about. It's about your life and the attitude as a whole. But if you want to give extra, that's okay too, all right? Let's look at 1 Corinthians, well, 16, verses 1 through 2. I'm going to paraphrase it here. Paul is going to the Corinthian church, and he's teaching them to give. He's teaching them to take up a collection. Why? To support somebody else. The Jerusalem church is having a hard time right now. There's a famine in that area of the land. They're suffering. And Paul is saying, if you'll take this up, hold on to it till I get there, and then once I'm there, we will take it to the church, and that will be of great benefit to them. Then later on, Second Corinthians chapters eight and nine. he's going on and on about the giving of the church, and he points out one, especially the Macedonian church. Why? Because they had taken what he had taught them to an extreme. And they were blessed. They were happy. They just wanted to help with everything they had. And it's actually one of the times when he had to tell them, stop. You ever heard a preacher or somebody tell you, stop giving? Well, he's actually telling them that. Because they were giving so much, it was hurting themselves. They were worse off than the church they were trying to help. But oh, to have that attitude, that attitude that I am going to give. I am going to give and help. I can sacrifice that. Then in Acts 4, at the latter part of the chapter, they are, they are helping so much that they're, they're selling their land, they're selling their possessions so that they can help other people. One that's pointed out in particular is Barnabas. Okay, now, I don't know why they picked him, because he sold a tract of land and gave it to the apostles, just like the rest of the church was. I'm guessing that it was because of Barnabas' attitude, that this was an attitude that he he continued every day in his life. You know, many times we have a card rack out there, or some ministry, and they call it a Barnabas ministry. And it's about giving, helping others, because it's an attitude then in Acts chapter 18, we see Priscilla and Aquila. Okay, I love them. They are tent makers. You know, usually these things are sewn a lot of times out of leather. So it takes a lot of work. Now, if you had your own shop, your own business, and you're, you're just getting by, you're making it enough to, to pay the bills, put some food on the table, have some clothes, you know, it's a good job. You're going through there, but then this, this man comes in town, he's teaching, and he's is the same belief as you, and, and you're just listening to him, and this is wonderful. This is what I need in my life. And you're a tent maker? Well, come on, we'll share our work with you so that you can help support yourself. We know that Paul, as he went around, when he really needed to, he was a tent maker, and he would do this to help support himself. Can you imagine giving up some of your work to somebody else to help them? And not only that, later on in other chapters, we will see Priscilla and Aquila travel with Paul, closing up shop the way they support themselves and traveling with Paul to other cities to help him, to help spread the word of Jesus and the gospel. Talk about sacrifice. Wow. Wow. Generosity. Give generously and then some. Generosity is nothing more than kindness and then some. That's all it is. Can you be kind? Can you show that on a daily basis? And then add in and then some? That little bit extra for somebody else that might have nothing? We cross paths with people every day in every situation. And many of those people, we don't know what their life situation is. For all we know, they could be destitute. Or they could be extremely rich and wealthy. We don't know. doesn't matter. But that person, can we not be an example to them in our generosity of life, in our attitude, in that kindness that we give them, and then extra? Just a smile sometimes. A hello. You know, we walk around in life usually frowning so much and our head down and we really don't want to look at somebody and we don't want to make eye contact and because then you don't know what, what they're going to ask me for. No, what we really need to do is our head up because we are walking for Jesus. That should be our everyday attitude. I am walking for Jesus. What can I help you with? Now, maybe I can't do anything for him. Maybe I'm in the same boat and I don't have much. But what can you give them? You can share your attitude. You can share courteousness, politeness, kindness. You can try and lift them up in the positive instead of allowing the world to just tear them down in the negative so much. Okay. Give generously and then some. It's an everyday attitude. Meet those near you, like we said earlier. We are practicing practicing that this morning. We do it every Sunday morning. We want to get in that habit of meeting those near you. But we're not talking about just those here. We're talking about those around us as well. We have many visitors here. We like to practice on them. You know, get to know them. You know, open ourselves up. Ask them, where are you from? Why are you in town? Do you need help? Do you need directions? What can we do for you? It's a great opportunity, but it is practice. Maybe they're even coming in looking for a church home. Maybe they've decided in their life, I need God in my life. There's a church down there. I'll go there and see what they're like. Well, if they're not friendly, are they going to come back? No. No. They're going to move on somewhere else. But if we can practice... Our everyday meeting those near you, our attitude, say, we're a family here and we want you to be a part of that family. How can I help you? We saw in Hebrews chapter 10 and then again in Acts chapter 2 that they came together as a family. In Acts chapter 2, they were doing this on a daily basis. That was already a part of their culture anyway, but they expounded on it. They had something to share, the gospel of Christ and the prospect of home, home, heaven. Now, let's equate this a little bit further back. The Israelites in the Old Testament, wandering and wandering around the desert with no home. They had a promise of a home that they were looking for. And when they got there and God had kept his promise that This home I am giving you, we have that same promise. We are here on this earth getting through our situations every day, the ups and downs, the positives, the negatives, slogging through sometimes and climbing out. But we have a promise of home, which is what? Heaven. That's our home. That's where we're going. Now, just as the Israelites, I'm sure, and you know, as they're traveling, some of them passed away, passed off. They had distractions. They had temptations. There were idols. There were other things to get say, come on over here. You know, be with us. And kept their eyes off their home. Same thing happens to us today in the world. We have idols. And if you think we don't, then you are being deceived. There are so many distractions out there for us, and the devil is just saying, come on over here. Come on. You, you don't need to continue forward. Don't worry about that home. That's just, that's just words. That's old words. No. As a Christian, you need to believe with all your might that you have a home in heaven. And God loves you, and he wants you back. He wants every one of us back to his home. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. The lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? I love the way he throws the question right back at him. What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself." And he said to him, "You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live." But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Okay? He was just wanting to poke some more holes in it. That's all he was trying to do. Jesus comes back to him with the story of the Good Samaritan. I'll read it off here. It's verses 30 through 35. Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them and put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will pay you. So Jesus asked then in the next verses, 36 to 37, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. Should that not apply to us in our everyday life? I mean, we hear tales of somebody going out of their way to do this big, huge thing. And that's wonderful. I'm glad for that. But what about us as Christians in every day and the people that we meet and cross paths with? Should we not have compassion on them? Should we not be telling them about our home and the promise of that home? So many of these people we look at and we're like, "Mm, I'm not comfortable with them. I'm not comfortable meeting them. I'm not comfortable with hearing their story. I I don't like talking to people. I, I know we're all different, okay? I understand that. I'm asking you to get out of that comfort zone because really what is the church? It is people. It is people. This is the church, not the building, not the grounds. It's the people, the family that's right here. This is the church. And we cannot be closed-minded and, and hold our hand out there and say, I don't want any part of the world. Because they are people too. And the church needs them just as God wants them back. And it is our job to show them the right way. I'm not talking about going out and grabbing by the arm and pull them in. I'm talking about in how you live every day, the example that you set Do you show people Christ in your everyday life? Or do you just show it on Sunday? Ponder that for a little bit. Be the best person we can be to everyone and then some. Go that extra bit. Next, be dependable and then some. Be dependable. Now, Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. Which of you, having a slave, plowing, or tending sheep, will say to him when he is coming from the field, Come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat, and properly clothe yourself, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink? He does not think the slave because he did the things which are commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, We are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. The very first thing we need to get across and and understand is that we are slaves to God. We are servants to God. I really like verse 9. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded. He did exactly what his job said to do. He didn't go that extra mile. He just he did what he needed to. And he was paid for it. Okay, I go to my job and I work eight hours or how many I need to. And I get whatever job they've given me, I get it done. Now, should I expect to go back in and my boss just pat me on the back and say, Ken, what an awesome job. We couldn't have done it without you. Do I expect that every day? Should I expect it at all? No. I was hired to do that job, whatever it entailed. However extra bit I had to put in it, you did the job. Okay. But what about going that extra mile for God. Okay? What's that going to do if we go that extra part? That's going to spread out through the world. That's the purpose of it. To not only help the church in here, but go out to the world and give them that extra, that extra effort. Some, Some will say, oh, I'm just, I'm not appreciated enough. You know, nobody told me thank you. That's not the right attitude. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be grateful to each other. There's nothing wrong with that. Because if you're grateful to somebody else and you're showing appreciation to them, what's that doing? That's lifting them up. That's making them positive. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate what you did. Maybe they only did what was requested of them. That that one thing. But just as me as a brother going to them saying, great job, thank you, I appreciate that. What's that do? They go, ah, that felt good. I think I'll do more. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll put a little bit extra into it. That's what we're here as brothers and sisters in our fellowship to do, to uplift each other. You know, the magic words nowadays seem to be, give me right now. Give me right now. Okay, that's not the way I was raised. That's not the way I raised my kids. The magic words were please and thank you. I wanted them to be grateful for what they had and appreciate it. Grown ups and children both need these words now. Today, the concept of being a servant or slave is foreign to us here in Alaska. As we sit here in this auditorium, we go about our daily lives, and we read about things in textbooks, we hear it on the news, uh, our history. But in actuality, do we apply that to our lives today to God? After we've done all things commanded, I need to look at myself and say, I have not gone above and beyond the call of duty. I am not perfect I have flaws. But, but, I will do my best. The best to my ability, and then some. I will continue on. Matthew 5, the verses we read at the start, Jesus is telling us that we need to go beyond mere duty. We need to say, I am responsible for, And I will do my duty to God, my family, my job, my church, and then some. It's not just about being responsible, but the attitude of fulfilling that duty. The attitude. How we approach that every day in our lives. I will do it, and then some. I want God to look at me like he did to Job, in Job 1, verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. God not only loved Job, but he was pleased with Job. Pleased with Job. What a difference it can make in the world, in the church, and in my life if I have that attitude of doing my duty. And then some. Family, the lesson is yours this morning. I hope that you have have gotten something out of it. I want to encourage you in your everyday life to put that little bit extra. Knowing that many times we fell at that. I fell at that. I know that. But that's why I have a family here that can help me. Just as much as I want to help you I ask for your help. When I come in and see your smiling faces, when you greet me, when you give me a hug, when you shake my hand, all of that is helping me to know that there are are family members out there that are just like me, and I can continue on, and I can do my duty, and then some. In a moment, we're going to stand, and we offer an invitation Maybe something's going on in your life and you just need that extra bit. Maybe you're at that low point in the, in the wave and you need some extra prayers. You need help. Now is a wonderful time. You can come up to the front. The elders will, will greet you, uh, pray for you. It doesn't matter what's going on. We love you because you are our family. You are our brothers and sisters. Maybe you won't have praises for God for something he has done in your life. That's a wonderful time too. Or maybe, maybe there is somebody in here that says I want that heavenly home. Well, the only way to get there is to put on Christ. To become like him. To to get that old man, that old sin, that old life away. To believe, repent, and be baptized. To put on Christ in that water. Now is the perfect time to do that too. Your family here will help you no matter what. Now, I know that many times we're afraid to walk up to the front. We're afraid of being in front of people. This is family. This is, is a mealtime right here. We are feasting on God's word, and we are here for each other. And we're messy, and we're sloppy, and we, we spill things and, and get things dirty. That's okay. It's family. We understand those things. So I'm going to ask you right now, as we stand and sing, if you have any needs, please come forward.